Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Get fired up. <laughs> My name is John. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at Whitewater. We are in our final week of our teaching series, Broke. How many of you have ever been broke? I have my hand shot right up there, Al. Right up there. I was broke as a joke. You'll hear more about that later. Broke. I was broke. Maybe some of you were broke. Some of you hopefully aren't is broke. But wherever you are, you're in a good place. If you've ever been broke. We spent the last three weeks talking about money and generosity. And can we just be honest with ourselves right now? Talking about money in church can kind of be a buzzkill. Okay, let, let's, just, let, let's just put it out there and be honest with each other, right? I, I get it. We all talk about money every single day. In some way, we talk about how, like, you know, like, uh, you know, we, we spend our money. We, 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 we use our money in all different things in all different ways. Here's the deal. You guys just don't want to hear your pastor tell you what to do with your money. Like, Right? Let's just, just, just put it out there and be honest about it, and that's okay, all right? Last week, Joe Sangle was here. Were you here for Joe Sangle? Man, he got fired up. He made me look tame. I say bring him back more. He makes me look tame. Uh, he, he wrote a book, I Was Broke, Now I'm Not, an incredible book with all sorts of incredible leadership lessons as well as lessons on how to use your money for the kingdom, how to properly steward your resources. We want everyone to have a copy of that book. And so if you didn't grab one last week, on your way out today, you can grab one. No cost to you. We want you to have that, our gift. If you want to make a donation, awesome, that's great. If not, no worries. On your way out, grab a book. Now, let's jump in because I know, y'all, you can move the balloons over, man. You can, Alan, you can move the balloons over. We got balloons going on. Do you know that? We got some other things. That there's, some, there's something happening today. I don't know if you know that. There's something happening. There's an anticipation of something to come. And somehow balloons are involved. So let's jump into our scripture. This is Matthew 6. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verse 24. These are Jesus' words. King Jesus says this, no one, that means every single one of us listening, no one can serve two masters. No one. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot Serve, here it is, both God and money. Dang, Jesus. How's Jesus going to do us dirty like that? Talking about our wallets, our bank accounts, talking about money. These are King Jesus' words, not mine, okay? Verse 24, it's at the end of this whole teaching of Jesus. Joe and David, for the last couple of weeks, they've unpacked that, you know, talking about the treasure principle of, oh, you know, wherever your treasure is there, your heart will also be. You know, in the beginning, David broke out some action figures. Were you here for that? Do you remember? He, he got some action figures and, and he talked about, oh, look, there's Tucker, right? You know, and he was talking about when it comes to our finances, 
that all of us, you know, we're either underwater, treading water, or walking on water, right? Do you remember that? Like, like which one of these categories would you say you are when it comes to your finances right now? Um, Kelly and I asked that question. You know, we were like, all right, all right, that was a good, good message, so where are we? Let's, let's have an honest conversation. Because I would argue that everybody in us is in one, one spot or another in that, either underwater, treading water, or walking on water. And, and you have to establish that. And I would argue that the path to finding financial freedom from wherever you are in one of those categories, the path to finding financial freedom and becoming radically generous with all that you've been given, it starts with admitting this, that each of us has a master. We don't, we don't talk like that. We don't want to admit something like that. But each of us has a master. Jesus is a man of his word. He, he's a trustworthy guy. And so his words, he says, we're either going to be a slave to money or a slave to God. We're going to be devoted to one and despise the other. We don't want to talk like that or admit that, but I love you enough to keep it real with you. That's the reality. Our interests will always end up being divided. We're going to be a slave to one or the other. Don't believe me? Okay, that's fine. You don't have to. Want to find out? Follow your money and see where it goes. Really? You're either going to be a slave. Like It's going to show you who your master is. Follow your money and see where it goes. It's a horrible exercise if you actually do it. To actually go into your banking app or go into your checkbook, for those of you who still do the checkbook thing, like, like, and actually look, where does all of your money go each month? Where is it going? Where is it going? Is the money going to life transformation and building the kingdom of God? Or is it going to stuff and things to build the kingdom of you? In his book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity, author Randy Alcorn, he says this. He says, one day everyone must answer these three questions. Where did it all go? What did I spend it on? And what has been accomplished for the kingdom for eternity through the use of all of my wealth? And some of you be like, John, have you seen my bank account? There ain't no wealth in there, John. Man, no wealth. I, I hear you. I hear you. I get that. Here's the reality, though. Every single one of us, I would argue every single one of us will manage a fortune in our lifetime. Fortune. Work with me. Do the math. If you work from ages 25 to 65 and you make only $25,000 a year, you will receive and manage a million dollars. And I don't know about you, but that's a lot of money to me. That's a lot of money. Some of you are like, well, whatever, John, I got that. I got that. All I do is like, that's a lot of money. What will you do? How will you manage that wealth? I'm just going to ask you the same question that Kelly and I are asking ourselves. Who is going to be your master while we manage this wealth? We need to ask that question. 
It's a really important question. So I think the vast majority of us, if we were getting really honest and we really looked at, followed the money and see where it went, like we would see and say that we have a master and, and, and its name is money. And a lot of us have then become enslaved to money's good friend, consumerism. I get it. I feel it in the room. Like, dang, we're talking about, yeah, we're going to go there. Yeah. Jesus wants to go there. Jesus talked about this, and it's in our relationship with money and possessions more than anything else in all of his word. We're going to go here. Consumerism. Consumerism is the idea that increasing the consumption of goods and services is always a desirable goal. And that a person's well-being and happiness depend fundamentally on obtaining more consumer goods, and more material possessions. Now, if I ask you, if, you like, if you're a slave to consumerism, I'm sure you wouldn't be the first one to raise your hand, so it's, it's okay. But don't think that you're not somehow enslaved to this, that you're not somehow connected to consumerism. How do I know this? Or ask yourself these questions. How many pairs of jeans do you have that look exactly the same? I hit somebody right in the, right in the chest. I got them. You do know this, right, that, that you don't need to wash your jeans after one use, right? You do know, like, unless you work, like, digging dishes or construction, like, you don't, you shouldn't. It's straight from the designer's mouth. You should not, Okay. Look it up online. You should not. Do the smell test, okay? If they smell bad, wash them. If they don't, fold them, put them away, okay? Just saved you money. How many pairs of jeans do you have? 25. <laughs> oh, fell out in the spirit. How many pairs of shoes do you have? Oh, you went there, John. Do you see Jackie's shoes? I was like, dang, those shoes were amazing. How many pairs of shoes do you have? How many TVs do you have? You know you got to have one for every room, including the bathroom now, maybe even in the shower. Got one on the back patio, too, because I don't like to look at nature. I'm coming for you. Young bloods, how many video games do you have? How many cars do you have, including the ones that you're like, I'll get to that and fix it one day? <laughs> How many pairs of socks do you have, man? My name is John, and I'm here to tell you I got a problem. I got these, like, really, like, striped ones on today. I'm really proud of it. You don't need that many pairs of jeans. You don't need that many socks. You don't need that. You don't need the most highest and best, you know, newest iPhone. You don't need that many. We don't need it, but we want it. Right? Like, we don't need it. It's not like essential to like the hunter-gatherer survival of humanity, but we want it. Why do we want it? Because gradually over time, Slowly, from generation to generation, we've been getting seduced. And slowly, we've become enslaved 
by the idea of consumerism. Oh, we're just trying to help the economy, John. Okay. Jesus is speaking to the heart of this in Matthew 6. He's trying to help us break free from these chains of consumerism. I want to show it to you this way. I got props for days today. All right? First one. You're like, oh, my goodness, John. Where are you going with this? I'm going to put on some body armor because I know some of y'all. I know you got that CCW. (laughs) I know y'all. I know who my flock is. Yeah. I'm talking about your money today. You may get a little squirrely. (laughs) Body armor. I'm not going to talk about the body armor of God, and then we can go there another day, right? This body armor, it represents the protection that is offered to us by God when we place our trust in him, when we place our faith in him, protects us, right? We make a decision to follow Jesus. Our salvation and eternity is protected. Now, what do we do with the rest of our lives? Most commonly asked question, what is my purpose? Come back next week and David will answer it. He's over there. You can ask him too. What's my purpose, David? Seriously, you know, what happens so often is we make a decision to follow Jesus, praise God, but we don't really think about how that directly affects the way that we live, specifically how we live financially. You know what I mean? Like like we want some things to change. We're not sure how to change them, and, and we're not exactly sure how we got where we are, and so we just keep doing what we've always been doing or do what we've always been taught to do, good or bad. And listen, doing more of what you've always done will only get you more of what you've always gotten. In time with no real plan or understanding of how to change things, we find ourselves doing the same old thing, and we find ourselves in the chains of consumerism. I've asked some friends to come on up. Some friends are going to come up, and they're going to help me, all right? All right, this is Jason and Sharon. Jason and Sharon, stand over here, right here. All right, I got Jason and Sharon, and I got Junior and Anna. Can you give them a round of applause for my volunteers? So helpful today. So helpful. Some of you wish you could be up here for what's about to happen. Oh, boy, I'm nervous. Here's the deal. There are four chains of consumerism. I'm going to share with you. Four chains of consumerism that keep us enslaved to money and possessions. The first chain. Are you ready? Oh, man. Sharon, I'm going to ask you to hold this. The first is kind of heavy. All right. The first chain of consumerism is buying. Buying. Sharon's like, I've waited my whole life ever since you got here a year ago to jerk you around, right? (laughs) This chain of consumerism, the chain of buying. Hold it tight, Sharon. Come on, get me. This is the chain of buying stuff that we think will make us happy. How many, right? Dave Ramsey says it like this, we buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't even really like. 
Dang. That's real talk. We get trapped in this cycle of buying and consuming, and then we got this chain strapped to us, right? You know, like, and I'm, like I can still move around a little bit, right? I can still move around, like, but I can't go without her. Daggum, Sharon, you're stuck with me. Chain of buying. Everywhere I go, I still have a little bit of freedom, but even if I want to go that way, I got it, man, it's a struggle. If I want to go this way with my finances, it's a struggle now. Okay, right? You get it. Second chain of consumerism. Give me a little slack. Give me a little slack. Give me a little, give me a little slack. No, really. <laughs> like, no, really, Sharon. Second chain of consumerism is storing. Storing. Junior is storing. Oh, this one. Just, just travel anywhere in 45002 and you'll, you'll see that we got a problem. Storing up money and possession for ourselves, filling storage units full of stuff, filling bank accounts and mattresses, just storing as much as we can for ourselves for an unforeseen rainy day or the zombie apocalypse or whatever your thing is, right? We're just storing it up. Listen, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. There is nothing wrong with saving for retirement, right? There's nothing wrong with putting money aside for an emergency fund or for your kid's education. That's good. That's wise planning. That's not what I'm talking about. See, this, this slave of this chain right here that enslaves me in consumerism is the chain that gets me thinking that I'm going to hoard it all for myself. That our future and our security will be found in the storage of more. More stuff. More security. More money. More comfort. More status. Listen, a little secret that the prophet Biggie Smalls taught me. <laughs> more money, more problems. Just look it up. It's in the book of, it's not in the Bible. <sighs> More money, more problems. The storage of more. Now notice with this chain, hold it tight, Junior, man. You like, pull it, man. Take gum. Like, I'm not as mobile as I once was. I still got a little bit of freedom, right? I can say, hey, there's a good thing I can give to. Maybe I can find some. I mean, I got a little bit of freedom in this. I got a little bit of mobility. Third chain of consumerism. We're going to give this one to Jason. Give me some slack. I gave him one job, and they're like, I'm going to get you now. This third chain is the chain of worry. Yeah. No, no. no. I got to get to my notes, Jason. There you go. I knew I shouldn't have had him come up here. Been waiting 13 months for this. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I'm confident that every single one of us in the room and online would raise our hand if I asked you have you have you ever worried about having enough money for your future and your present needs worry the sleepless nights worrying worrying about money more than trusting God 
that he's a good God and that he will provide. Fearing and worrying about not having enough. This is one of the most common chains of consumerism. The fourth chain. There, see, now they know. Now, see, we got them. The fourth chain of consumerism is this one. Come on over, Anna. Head on over there. And this fourth chain is actually not planning. Not planning. Not planning to live generously with your finances, let alone not having a plan to operate with, you know, a budget. It only sets us up for failure, and you've heard it before, but it's so true. If you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. Now pull them tight, because that's what the chains do. At this point... Oh, man, if they let go, I'd bite it. I'm immobilized. Send them away. <laughs> Friends, this is what it does. I'm paralyzed. I can't go where I want to go. I can't do what I want to do. This is what these chains do. Listen, when you're a slave to money and possessions, you lose control. You don't have your money. Your money has you. I can't move around, but they can. Move me to the right. Go ahead, move me. <laughs> right? <laughs> Go left. <laughs> I know he's over there. <laughs> They can move me wherever I want, wherever they want to go, not where I want to go, even if it is to my notes to speak the word of God. <laughs> Friends, which one of these are you connected to right now? One of them? All of them? Be honest. Pull them real tight now for this one. Okay, a little less, a little less. Good, okay, that's good. I got the two hosses back there. <laughs> Friends, this was me right before I got married. See, when Kelly married me, she didn't just marry me. She married a mountain of debt. <laughs> I created the mountain of debt because of these four chains. In the first couple years of our marriage, I dug a hole, a financial pit so big that I didn't think we'd ever get out of it. We were on the verge of bankruptcy. We were months behind in our mortgage. I had close to $100,000 in credit card debt. I was ducking and dodging the debt collectors. Some of y'all know that dance operating with zero margin, and we became paralyzed, immobilized. And I'm not sure if you know this or not, but this right here 
is not the plan that God has for your life. This is not his plan. Jesus specifically came to break the chains of the oppressed and to set the captive free. That's his word and there is power in his word and power through his people. There is freedom found in Christ. There is freedom, real freedom, true freedom. Not just saying that because that's what, you know, it says in the Bible, although that should be enough. I'm saying that because it's what I've experienced and so many of you have experienced this. When you finally get so desperate that you ask for help. It's one of the toughest pills to swallow. But admitting your reality is the first step to changing your reality. Listen, much like many of you, we allowed some godly men and women to speak into our financial lives and give us a plan so that we could start experiencing financial freedom. Friends, the first thing we have to do to break these chains is we have to trust God. Like really, really trust God more than we trust our money. Our master has to be God. Trust that he is a good master and he will provide for us. These chains will not break with any sort of self-help. They will not. Only the power of God's word and him working through his people. We have to learn that it all comes from him. All of it. Colossians 1.16, it says, everything was created through him and for him. It's all his. All of it. Oh, I know for some of you alphas out there, I know that's hard. It's his money. Don't believe me? Okay, it's his talent that he gave you that gives you the ability to make that money. It's his breath in your lungs that gives you the ability to use your talent to make that money. It's all his. It's all his. And when we finally get this, when we're able to surrender it all, we start to see the world through his eyes. We start to see what he's doing in our lives and what he wants for our financial life as well. And we become equipped with the ability to start breaking these chains. Listen, it's God's word. It's God's word that will break these chains. Deuteronomy 8.3, and I know Jesus quotes this later on, but back in Deuteronomy it says, people do not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's what we live on. That's our power. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm giving you four chain breakers. Write it down, note takers. Four chain breakers that I'm going to give you right now. Four scriptures come from the mouth of God. Chain breaker number one. If you want to break the chain of buying, you need to live out what God's word says in 1 Timothy 6.17. It says, teach those who are rich. Remember, we're all going to manage a fortune. 
Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. I love that. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Chain breaker number two. We break the chain of storing. He's trying to be so gentle, man. Let it drop. Let these chains drop. We break the chain of storing with Matthew 6, 19. It says, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and thieves break it and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven, in heavenly places where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus goes on, just a little bonus one in Luke 12, 21. And I love this. This is hardcore savage Jesus. He says, a person, Jesus talking, not me. I love you. Jesus says, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Chain breaker number three, worry. This one's a hard one to break free from. But we're dropping chains today. Chain breaker number three, Matthew 6, 31, do not worry. Do not worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? What if I don't have that many pairs of socks? <laughs> these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs, so seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Chain breaker number four. We break the chain of not planning With Proverbs 21.5, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts, get rich quick, payday loans, hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Can you give my volunteers a big round of applause? Thank you. Can I take this off now? Are we good? Thank you. When I was a kid, I was fascinated by balloons. Fascinated. I always wondered, like, as a kid, like, if there was a big, like, cluster of balloons, like, how many balloons would it take to lift me up? Right? I've put on a few pounds since then, so we're going to need more balloons. <laughs> a bunch more. <laughs> I'm trying to work out, man. It's hard. That skyline, it got me. <sighs> a few years ago, I saw this movie Up. You guys see this movie Up? Oh, so good, right? So good. Breaks your heart right at the beginning, too. <laughs> And there's this beautiful moment in the movie, right, where all these balloons come out. And, and all these balloons, they just lift up an entire house. And I remember watching it as an adult, and I was like, that's amazing. And I was like, oh, I want that so bad. It was so fun.
Friends, walking in freedom in Christ, that's what he gives us. That's the feeling of being lifted up and him taking all of our burdens and walking with his burden and not our own. That, that's what he says, right? Matthew 11, verse 28, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your soul. He says, for my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden that I give you is light. Friends, these chains that have strapped so many of you down, it's time to give our burdens to the king, to the one who will truly take those burdens. He can handle it. It's not ours to carry anymore, to walk in freedom. I can move around. I got freedom. He says, bring all your troubles to me because my burden's light. How many of you, oh, if you could have a little more margin in your bank account, a little more margin, a little more freedom to actually say, man, what, what could we do? We could move around. We Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest to walk in freedom, to have a burden that is light as a balloon. His burden is light, and it carries you to places you could never think you could go. This applies to Every area of our life, including our finances. Kelly and I have this verse on a plaque right above our beds, right above the foot of our bed. So every day when I wake up and every night when I go to bed, I see that. And I'm reminded I'm giving my burdens for balloons. I want every single one of you to experience that. The thing that so many of you have experienced. But there's so many of us who are still in that place, trapped in bondage. At the end of the day, here, here's the reality. The antidote to consumerism is generosity. Just is. Friends, today we're giving you an opportunity to take a step in this direction. To actually experience what that freedom feels like. To break the chains, to walk in freedom, to, 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 to learn to trust God more than your money. It's a big step. We've been talking about it for a few weeks. But it's a step that we're actually going to help you in a very unique way. I want you to bring the lights up a little bit. In the seat in front of you, or maybe two seats down from you, you're going to find something that looks like this. 
It's a card. Front row, it's under your seat. I want everybody to get one of these out. Everywhere you are. Online, it's on our webpage as well. It's on the app if you want to go there too. We've been talking about this. There's going to be a challenge. There's going to be a challenge. We've been saying that. This is it. This is the challenge. This is the 90-day generosity challenge. So here's what we're going to do right here. I'm going to read this because if it's important, you slow down and you do it together. We're challenging every single one of us, every single one of you to be generous by giving away a portion of your income for the next three months. So many of you already support the mission and what God is doing through his local church, Whitewater Crossing. But living a generous life is so much bigger than Whitewater Crossing. Amen. Generosity causes life change for the giver and the recipient. And so here's the deal. No matter where you may be in giving and generosity, everybody can, we want everyone to step into this. So let's just, let's just keep it real. Let's say you're here, you're listening, you're watching, you're here, and you don't give a dime. I'm so glad you're here. I was that for a long time. For the next 90 days, your challenge is to give something regularly for the next 90 days. Something. I don't know. That's up to you. Between you and God, you're, give something. Okay? Maybe you hang out here and maybe you, maybe you already give, have been given a little, you know, whatever that may be. But you've never actually tithed, given the first and best 10%, right? And so your challenge over the next 90 days is to actually tithe. To give 10% over the next 90 days. Or maybe you've been doing that, praise God for you, and, and, and he's, he, he blesses you. I don't bless you, he does. Praise God for that. But maybe if, if you've been tithing, your part in the 90-day challenge is that you make a decision that I'm going to go above and beyond for these next 90 days. I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to take a step towards radical generosity, whatever that may look like for you. Somewhere, that's a really wide net. Everybody can step into this challenge for the next 90 days. And so when you sign up for the 90-day challenge, all right, on this card, there's pens everywhere. There's pens everywhere. I saw them. All you got to do, massive cleanup effort later. Just fill out your name, number, and email. There's no financial information on here. Again, that's between you the just fill that out. We're, we're going to have a moment where we'll, where we'll turn this card in. You can, also, you can also fill out the challenge by doing this. There's a phone number that you can just text 90. You can either do the numbers or the letters. Text 90 to 513-466-1424. 513-466-1424. And so we, we, we can all sign up for this, all of us. We're all going to do this together. And you'll get emails in the next 90 days encouraging you and sharing stories how God's working and we believe that God will do something incredible through your life over these next 90 days. That he will draw you into a, into a deeper relationship with him. And here's the deal. I love it. 
if God doesn't show up, if he doesn't show up in your life during this season of giving and generosity, will refund 100% of the money that you gave during the 90-day challenge, no questions asked. Test him in this. Test him. It's crazy. In the Bible, you hear all the time, like, God saying, like, do not test me. Do not test the Lord your God. Do not test me. Do not test me. Do not test me. This is the one spot he says, test me in this. Malachi 3.10. God says, bring the whole tithe, that 10%, into the storehouse so that there may be food, provision, resources for my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for you to store it. (laughs) His words, not mine. Test him in this. So go ahead, fill it out now. As you're filling it out. I want to share with you, I, I, was, I was talking with Kelly, and I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to share this, but man, this is personal. I felt compelled to share with you the first time that Kelly and I made the decision to actually tithe, like give 10%, because we were tippers, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were like... If the sermon was good, we'd drop a 20 in. Or if the music was banging, we'd be like, yo, 25 today. They were killing it, right? I know some of you are tippers. <laughs> That's where we were. It's okay. It's where we were. We made a decision like, all right, we're actually going to tithe. Oh, it was a tough spot. I shared with you like the context, right? We were having this conversation while we were still under, underwater. Okay. So can you imagine we're in that spot and we're having that conversation like, hey, do we really trust God? Of course we trust God. Look what he's done in our lives. Look at the life he's given. Okay, then we should probably trust him with our finances. So we have this conversation. We're like, all right, we're going to trust him. We really trust him. It's obvious he's working. Okay, we're going to trust him. Okay. I can still remember where I was standing. It was in our kitchen in our first house. We... Shouldn't have bought that house, but that's fine. And so it's in our first house, and we're there, and we're in the kitchen. And I remember, like, we're writing that check. Yeah, I'm that old, right? Remember writing checks? And I'm right, we're writing that check, and we're filling it out, and we put it right on the count, counter. And I was like, Phew. it was a Thursday night. We were so nervous. <laughs> we are so excited. Thursday night, though, we went to bed, and it was just peace. It was like, oh. We couldn't wait for Sunday. It's like, you know, that was back in the day when we would pass the offering back, you know. Just couldn't wait to get to church on Sunday. That was Thursday. Saturday, the oven broke. I mean, broke, broke. I mean, it wasn't like a coil that needed fit. It was broke, broke, needed a whole new oven, right? I'm like, are you kidding me? And so here we are, right? We're like, okay, I'm broke. Like broke with a broke oven. With a newborn baby, Noah, no extra money, no credit. I looked up online to see how much a new oven would be, and I kid you not, 
I mean, I was like, it was Lowe's. I mean, I'm in Lowe's. I'm like looking, and the cheapest oven that I could find was within $20 of the amount of money that was sitting right on my counter in that check. I'm like, come on, man. So Kelly and I had another conversation. <laughs> and thank God for strong women in our lives. She was like, no, we're, we're, we made a commitment. We're going to do it. We're following through with this. I was like, okay. It's TV dinners for you all next week. And so we did. We, we, we said, okay, all right. And, and we got this church on Sunday, no oven, all right. And we dropped that check into the thing. I was like, oh, God, we trust you. That night, 9 o'clock p.m., I get a on the door. Y'all don't know where I grew up. I'm like, who is it? <laughs> it's 9 o'clock on a Sunday night, banging on my door like you the police. I open the door. Who is it? It's a pastor from the church. <laughs> Yes, Pastor. His name was Toby, Pastor Toby. Good dude. He goes, John, I, I wasn't working at the church. I was like, John, uh, this is going to sound really weird. But I, somebody gave me this envelope, and they told me just to bring it to your house. I, I don't know what, I'm just supposed to give this to you. I took the envelope, was like, all right, good night, Toby. I walk into the living room and I'm talking to her. She goes, who is that? I was like, Toby from the church, Toby from the church. What's he doing? I said, he had this envelope. I said, what's this envelope? So we open the envelope. And inside the envelope was a note. It said, you have been such a blessing. Now be blessed in return. We are blessed to be a blessing. And there is a gift card to Lowe's for $500. Praise God. Praise God. To this day, I, I, I don't know. I don't know who gave us that money. I don't, know, I don't know how they heard about it. I don't, I, I don't know any of it. And you know what? I don't need to know. I don't need to know because then my, my mind would probably just twist it and turn it and, and make it legit. Like I have no idea. All I know is that God showed up when I needed him. Friends, here's the reality. I know God will bless you because I trust his word. And I've lived it my entire life. I know he will bless you. I don't know how he'll bless you. I know he'll bless you. I don't know when he'll bless you. I just know he will bless you. It's not a magic spell and rub a lamp and a genie. And it's like he will bless you. Test him in this. Says the Lord God Almighty. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. Our worship team is going to lead us in one more song. 
And during this song, I believe every single person can easily step into this challenge. Every single one of us. And so if you filled out that card or if you already did it online on your phone, during this song, we're going to have you come up and drop your card on these steps in front of the balloons, both sides. If you already did it online, you don't need to drop a card off, obviously. But before you go back to your seat, inside these buckets up here, there's four buckets, there's chain links. And so drop your card off and, and grab a chain link. And I want you to put this chain link on your key ring, on your backpack, on your water bottle, on your purse, whatever it may be. I want you to carry this around for the next 90 days. To remind you of God's presence in your life. To remind you that he will show up in your life. He will show up. He will show off. This is a reminder for all of us. Not just of a 90-day challenge, but a reminder that we're no longer slaves to money. We are slaves to a king who is a good king. A good father. This is a reminder that we walk in freedom, that each and every one of us are chain breakers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Oh, Father, I thank you for how you show up and you show off. I thank you that you are a good father. I thank you that you always give us what we need in your timing. Maybe not always what we want, but it's what we need. Thank you for that. I, Father, I'm stepping out, and I'm stepping out in faith, knowing that you're going to do a mighty thing, that there are going to be thousands of stories of life change and, and, and Lowe's gift cards, thousands of stories that are going to happen throughout your local church, that there won't be enough room to store all of the stories of life change because of your goodness. Father, we're just trusting that you're going to move in a mighty way, that chains will be broken because of you and the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in your name that all God's people said, amen.